Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. So our, if you aren't aware, our church has a preschool. Uh, it's called Sand, very creatively named School at North Decatur, which means everybody knows what it is. It's our little preschool. And uh, we have just gotten to the phase where kids are being dropped off without tears streaming down their face at being left by their, uh, abandoned by their parents uh, at the door of our church. <clears throat> Now, our preschool, I think, is really unique, especially in our area, that our kids spend all day outside, either in the garden or on the playground or in the woodlands. They get a chance to learn about bugs and how plants grow and all this wonderful stuff. And they also get a chance to, like, swing on swings and slide on slides and play with other kids their age. It's a really formative and important time for kids to learn how to play, especially during a season of COVID where many of them have been isolated away from other kids their age. So it's taken an especially long time for the kids in our program to get used to being dropped off by parents. It's been very painful <laughs> for some of these kids. One of them um, this week was on the playground and um, he, so he, uh, he has this habit of he'll, he'll go and play on the playground. He, you can see him realize he's having, he's having too much fun and then you can see and be like, oh no, my parents aren't here. I can't have fun right now. My parents aren't here. And then he'll go and he'll touch his backpack. He'll put his water bottle back into the side of the backpack. He'll go through all of, he'll say goodbye. And then he'll look at the gate where mom and dad is supposed to show up and they're not here yet. So he bursts into tears. And so then of course they go through that cycle where the teacher comes over and is like, hey buddy, it's." It's going to be okay. Like we miss mom and dad, you know, all the appropriate things you're supposed to do. And then let's go play. Like, do you want to go, do you want to go on the slide again? And you can, he's like, I could probably do a slide, <laughs> you know, we can, I can probably do a slide. And then he'll go down the slide and the biggest grin will come. And then he hits the ground and he's like, wait a second, wait a second. You tricked me. I'm supposed to be upset. My parents aren't here. And you can see that cycle happen throughout the day. And of course, these kids have grown a lot and he's gotten out of some of that pattern. But it reminds me so much of this story that Dan just read about these people who are given immense freedom, right? These, these people, the, the Israelites have been captives of slaves for like 400 years. They've been in Egypt as slaves to the Pharaoh, doing all of the work to build their buildings and to tend to their crops and to care for their people. I mean, even the Israelites were the midwives for all of, for all of the, the Egyptian royalty, right? They were doing everything for the Egyptians and they finally have this opportunity to experience freedom and they get out into the playground and immediately they're like, wait, but dad's not here. <laughs> Even when everything seems to be going right, they turn around and they see the potential of things going wrong. Everything that there is to worry about in this open space. 
and are immediately overwhelmed by it. And it's easy for us to look and be like, gosh, those stupid Israelites out in the wilderness. God's literally there in a pillar of fire and smoke. What are you talking about? But that's why the playground analogy is so helpful for me because it helps me get into those shoes. I understand what it's like to experience something that feels normal, even if it would have been boring to be with mom and dad all day anyway, because they're just trying to get work done at a computer and they're annoyed for most of the day, having to like spin around and respond to everything that's going on, laughing too hard. I know, yeah, you understand what I'm describing here. And so it's not fun to be at the house, but at least it's familiar. You know your people. You know your role. You're familiar with that dance of love and annoyance and boredom. It feels normal enough so you understand what's coming. You understand what comfort's supposed to feel like. You understand what the pain of that loneliness or sadness is supposed to feel like. But as soon as you get even into a great place, a, a playground with a really cool slide and a bunch of other kids your age, it starts to feel overwhelming because of what the, you don't know what could be coming on the horizon. I think in a lot of ways, this describes where we are societally right now too. Do you remember, um, there's been a lot of people who talk about this, so I won't belabor the point, but do you remember the first like month or two of like actual quarantine? Do you remember how like weirdly joyful things felt? Like we were catching all those little glimmers. You remember like, free concerts happening in apartment complexes and how that was the, the narrative of the day and people rallying together to make sure no one was hungry, people becoming incredibly generous with the people because we all knew the burden that the people at our sides were carrying. We could empathize more easily and more confidently with what we were going through and so we were, our community, our society was better for it. And then we all got on the internet, <laughs> right? And all those joyful things started to be picked apart. People started getting frustrated in the new reality that they were experiencing. Even all the stuff that brought joy for that first month started to feel like an annoyance because it was it turned into just a reminder of our isolation more than anything else. And we forgot how to show up for one another in the same way. We started making decisions about who the person at our side must be because they are wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. We just started, we started defining our, like, I remember the first couple of months in my neighborhood when we were still doing that thing where you like walk to the opposite sides of the road. Uh, one of my neighbors uh, power washed a message into the sidewalk just saying, I know it's hard. You are loved. Have a good day. Like, so beautiful. And now like symbolically, it's back into the, the grime of a sidewalk. And you see that, that same sort of tone too, because we don't, we were comfortable leaving the captivity of whatever it was 
into this season, but as soon as we settled into the experience of wilderness, we became enemies to one another. We started looking at all of leadership as though they were guiding us out into the desert to die. Right? The, the passage that Dan just read, it's uh, one, of, one of the things that the Israelites cry out is to Moses, who's been leading them, right? And who's been sort of the mouthpiece of God. In this story, uh, Moses is the one who uh, has been the symbol of God's presence and been the one to articulate the ten plagues in the the kingdom of Egypt at the time, demonstrating God's power and God's incredible capacity to uh, push just enough within society to create the avenue for freedom. And then God backs up and provides space where we might wish for all of that evil society be, to be decimated. God doesn't do that. God creates just enough space for freedom and the people go out. Moses has been this figurehead describing God's power and bringing God's power into the space. And when they get to the edge of a sea, the people turn around and this man who has been guiding them to freedom is now defined as an enemy. And not just an enemy who would bring them back into slavery, but an enemy who would bring them into the desert to die. Aren't there enough graves in Egypt? You see how quickly that turn happens. It's so fast. We all felt it. I mean, this isn't a new experience for us. It feels great to step into something new until the reality of that new situation settles in. And then we all, all start turning to one another as enemies. And so this, the, the guiding symbol for the scripture that we've read for the last several weeks has been this idea of chaos and order. And it's important to keep all of this in mind. The book of Genesis and Exodus were probably written around the same time period um, and written not by Moses, and I'm happy to have this conversation with you if this is rattling some faith, that's okay. Uh, Exodus and Genesis were not written by Moses, but were written during the season of exile. After the kingdom of Israel has uh, become united and then declined, and eventually all of the leadership in the nation of Israel are cast out into exile. And in that place of exile, they start writing down their formational stories. And the first ones that they start writing down are the stories of creation. And what is described there is beautiful. The idea of God... <clears throat> stepping into chaos, the waters of chaos, and creating separation between the chaotic waters and the dry land. Right? It's darkness and light, and then it's waters and land. And then life starts to build up onto it. Later in the book of Genesis, we read the story about Noah, and we read this a, a few weeks ago, the story of Noah. And in Noah's generation, what the Bible describes is that everything, everything was chaotic. Humanity had decided for itself that we would rather kill one another 
than live with the blessing of life uh, from God to be fruitful and to multiply. So God allows the chaotic waters to come into the land and wash it clean. Now that comes with a lot of pain and destruction that we can't glaze over, but that's the image, right? God stepping in, separating the chaotic waters from the land, and then God allowing those chaotic waters to fall back into the land to wash it clean, and then to start fresh with a new generation in Noah. Fast forward to the passage that Dan just read for us today, we have a similar pattern. But it's specific because God has made a covenant first with all of humanity and all the world that never again would all of the life be swept off from it by these chaotic waters. That will never happen again. And God sets a rainbow in the sky to demonstrate that point. And then we get to a season where the blessed people of God, the descendants of Abraham, are at the precipice of going back into slavery or stepping forward into freedom. And what is behind the Israelites is chaos. And what lies before them is an opportunity for new life. And so what does God do? But God separates the chaotic waters, allows the people to walk faithfully forward on the dry land, and then allows the chaotic waters to come falling back in on the Egyptian army. Chaos wiped clean and a fresh start to come forward. Do you see the symbolic nature of that? Like, like, so when I was told this story, it was like, here are the facts. Moses led the people. There was a pillar of fire and smoke. They walked through the water and it felt like a memory thing. Like, like you just have to get all the details, right? But if you start to take it back and read it with the symbolic nature of what these religious people were trying to define about their God, you can see how beautiful it is. It's about so much more than just how the Israelites got away from Egypt. It's about a new creation. It's about a promise of covenant. Because what God has done is God, through Abraham, made a promise that Abraham's descendants would be a blessing to the world. And they cannot be a blessing to the world if they are chained by the world. They can't be a blessing if they're held captive by the world. They have to be able to live in freedom, in perfect freedom, to be able to walk forward into the promise of God so that all of creation might be elevated because, because of God's faithfulness to these people. It's such a beautiful story, and it's a powerful story, and it starts to make even more sense when you think about how Abraham was given the promise. In Genesis 15, Abraham, Abram at the time, was told that his descendants would become a blessing, and they would inherit the land of Cana. But first, first, your descendants will live as refugees and immigrants here. First, your descendants will live as slaves. And scripture even says for 400 years. Before the Hebrew people become a blessing to the world that we're all inheritance of, by the way. All of these generations had to experience a low point of feeling the absolute absence of God, right? How do you tell a story about God's faithfulness to you when you're being held as slaves in a foreign land? 
How? How do you talk about inheriting land? Being given the blessing of abundance of life. When you're in chains. How can you go 10, 15 generations into captivity and still be able to turn to your neighbor with hope of what is to come? Except through people like Moses, who are blessed with an overwhelming burden to tell the truth and to lead the people. To tell the truth about the injustice that's happening within Egypt. To challenge the nature of authority in this destructive land. And to call the people into the freedom that they're inheritance of. Now, I don't want to draw too strong of a line, but I think it's worth noting that this cycle is a part of human history, not just tied to the Egyptian story, which is why it's such a powerful story for us now. In every generation, there is resistance among those of us who hold power, whether we know it or not, and the people who are working towards liberation and abundance of life. And there are always people your gift and blessed to be able to tell the truth, even when it's most difficult to do it. And there are always people who experience liberation and feel the weight of its burden so much that they would prefer to take a step backwards than to walk forwards. I don't say any of that with judgment or weight. I simply say it as a reality. All of us are caught up in the stories that we tell. In our American gospel of, uh, you know, being a chosen and set apart nation who's going to bring blessing to the, see how we do this? And also caught up in stories of slavery and even sometimes caught up in, like, just don't, we can't even tell that story. You see, we're in the same cycle. And I think the good news for me here is that God always brings the people to the edge of a chaotic sea. And even when it seems like there is no safe, faithful step to walk forward, God parts a path in chaos, drives the land before us, and invites us to walk faithfully, taking one step at a time in trust. I don't know where you are in the story. Some of us carry a lot of privilege. Some of us may be hopping onto a chariot to chase down people who we don't feel like should be as free as they want to be. Some of us may be standing on the edge of the waters and we're waiting too long for that waters to part. And some of us may be stuck wishing things were what they were because it just felt easier 
than having to navigate the chaotic waters of our current experience, where everybody seems to hate everybody. Those chaotic waters will part. And we can become obsessed with that chaotic water and fix our eyes on it, fix our eyes on the chariots at our backs, fix our eyes on everything that isn't the point. And I think maybe that's okay. But for those of us who have trust in what God is doing, who can remember the stories of our ancestors, that our God is a liberating God, liberating us even from ourselves at times, my prayer is that we can walk together one step across the dry land that God creates with the waters at our side and the enemies at our back, trusting that what lies ahead is good and faithful, even if it's hard. What I know is that you will not walk this alone. We walk together. That's why places and groups like this matter. So we can hold one another's hand as we walk so that we're never overwhelmed by the waters at our side. May it be so. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.